Welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Welcome to the Home Team Sacramento Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Takimoto. With us today is our friend, speaker, author, and communication expert, Dwight Taylor Sr. What's going on, man? What's going on, Josh? Uh, everything is good over here, man. We talked a little bit off air. It's been uh, it's been one of those days, but it's been it's been high value and very productive. So uh, this is a great way to end this part of my day by being on here with you. I love it, man. And uh, just to kind of let people behind the scenes, we actually recorded for my other podcast yesterday. So yes, sir. I'm getting I'm getting some motivation, inspiration, <laughs> encouragement. Yeah, back to back days. So I'm I'm doing really well, man. This is That's awesome. That's what's up. Yeah, That's yeah. good stuff. <laughs> so, I'm ready. Um, so I know we've talked about this before. We've done quite a few podcasts together. Um, if anybody's listened to those podcasts, this may be redundant. But for anybody who's new, or maybe someone who doesn't know Dwight, uh, tell us a little bit about your athletic background, um, your coaching background, and, yeah. and how you got to where you are today? Definitely. Uh, and that's a great question. So my athletic background is I, I played multiple sports when I was in elementary and junior high. So I played baseball, basketball, uh, soccer, and I did karate. And so those were multiple things that I did all throughout five years old, I say all the way up till about 14, um, really entering high school. And then high school, it shifted. It was only basketball. Like that was the only thing that I ended up playing in high school. And really one of my biggest regrets is, is playing. And I don't have too many regrets, but I regret not playing baseball in high school. You know, I went to, um, I went to Bishop O'Dowd high school in Oakland, California. And at that time, here's exactly what was said to me. I find out that there's baseball tryouts and I'm excited about it. And some juniors and seniors, I'm a freshman at the time, some juniors and seniors, um, they're like, oh, you thinking about trying out for baseball? I'm like, yeah, I've been playing my whole life. And they were like, black people don't play baseball at this school. Yeah. And that was all I needed to hear. Um, oh, being not a strong minded 14 year old at the time, I made a decision based on that. And didn't play. And, um, that is one of my biggest regrets because I was, I was way better at baseball than I was at basketball. I'm a lefty. I threw a nasty curveball, circle change, um, knuckleball. I could hit left and right. I could drag bunt. I was fast so I could steal bases, but, um, so th that was, that was that. So I ended up playing basketball at Bishop O'Dowd and then I ended up running track at Fresno state university. So that's my athletic background. Um, you know, when I was younger, but then with coaching, I've been coaching basketball since I was 19 years old. I started coaching at the YMCA, uh, really coaching my younger cousin, who's nine years younger than me. And from that point on, I just knew that not only do I love playing, but I love coaching. I really just love motivating people to be their best. Yeah. And basketball just happened to be the vehicle that I could easily find myself um, in that space and, and really help people be great in whatever they wanted to be great in. If that was a point guard trying to get their handle better, if that was a, a center trying to work on their post up, I always wanted to help them in that, but more so let me find out who you are as a person, who you're trying to be, and let me help uh, you become that best version. That led to fast forward um, 2015. I ended up being a, a middle school basketball coach at Einstein middle school out here in Sacramento, California. Um, uh, second year of me coaching, 
took my team to the city championships. We ended up losing to Sutter uh, Middle School, which still irks me. Um, We we ended up losing. But prior to the two years that I coached, they didn't have a winning season. Literally the year before I started coaching, they were 0-14. And so uh, being able to come in third place my first year coaching in second place. Um, And so that's that's really what it looks like for me as a coach. I'm not coaching basketball anymore just because my boys are out of school and my daughter's trying to figure out what she wants to do and so whatever she figures that out it might be volleyball man I might be coaching volleyball after I learn it because (laughs) that's something she wants to play but she also is a little bit into soccer too so okay man that's awesome man and uh and I believe you and I were talking a little bit about your uh that 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 loss you took in that championship game and I believe it was yeah man uh, one of our former guests, uh, JT Roberts. Is that correct? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah it, it shout, was, out to Coach shout, out, shout out to Coach <laughs> JT. Uh, yeah, they gave me that L. <laughs> they gave me that L. I, I love that guy, but I didn't. I wasn't rocking with him at that time. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, that's one of the things we talk about on this podcast because one of the things we say is that, hey, even though we wear different jerseys, mm. we're all a part of this home team in Sacramento and the surrounding yeah. areas. But yeah. That being said, we are still competitive and 100%. we still like to win and we still hate losing. And yeah. so, especially when it's someone that you know and you're familiar with, it's like, oh, it just makes it worse. <laughs> right, right. 1,000%. Way, way worse. But uh, no, that's cool, man. And it's, you know, you have a really interesting perspective, I think, because, mm. and I'm sure a lot of people we've had on this podcast have a similar perspective, but, you know, you're obviously a speaker, you're an author. So you interact yeah. with student athletes all the time. Yeah. Uh, you're a father. So, you know, like you said, at one point you were, I know you were heavy into the youth sports world because of where you, you you know, your son's playing sports. And then pretty soon you'll be back in that world because of your daughter. Yes. Um, And then you're a coach too. Yeah. You've seen this from a bunch of different aspects, a parent, uh, a coach, and obviously a speaker. Yeah. How much has all of that shaped your viewpoint and your perspective when it comes to communicating effectively with all of those different people, because I mean, you're, you're interacting with all of these people yeah. at different points the, during the day. Like how much has that, like, I guess, impacted you positively when it comes to, you know, impact or communicating with those groups? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So the first thing I think about is perspective taking, like, because I come from so many different perspectives, I can look at it from different perspectives. So if I'm coaching or when I was coaching, I'm not just the coach at the time. I'm also taking on the perspective of the parent who wants their child to play more than the other people on that court. Why? Because I've been that parent who wants my child to play more than such and such who I don't think is playing as well. So I'm able to do that. I'm also able to motivate, right? I'm also able to do that because that's, I'm a motivational speaker. So I'm able to encourage, empower, inspire, uplift, and challenge in that way. So I'm able to see it from that perspective. And then just coaching, My philosophy on coaching is I coach the person first and the athlete second. Like I want to see my student athletes be the very best versions of themselves as human beings. Because here's the reality, Josh, I'm coaching when I was coaching basketball. If one of my players or all of my players ended up going to the NBA, they they might have a career like a LeBron James where they're playing close to their 40s or or Dirk Nowitzki, right, where they're playing. But if you live to be 80 years old, you still have 40 more years of still being a human being. And so I want to make sure that I'm coaching that person first. I want to make sure that I'm coaching the human being first and then the athlete after, because I don't know what your career is going to look like. I don't know if you're going to make it to even play freshman basketball. I don't know if you're going to make it to uh, D1, D2, D3 um, in college, or if you'll make it to overseas or the NBA. But I want to make sure that you have a solid foundation on the person you are. So 
in all of those three perspectives, I'm always looking at how do I empathize with not only the student athletes, but how do I empathize with the parents? And empathy is literally um, the glue to any type of effective communication. I can't communicate effectively with you if I'm not willing to step in your shoes and see things how you see it. And so I, I wanted to always make sure I did that with students. I wanted to make sure I always did that with parents. And I also wanted to make sure that I did that even with the people that we don't think about um, when we're coaching, which is the referees, right? And I talk about mm -hmm. that a lot with coaches that I coach. Like I coach coaches on how to effectively communicate within their space. And most people don't even think about the refs. But the refs are the ones who get the worst treatment when things are not going our way. Right. But here's the reality. However, we are treating the referee. We are showing that example to those that we're coaching. Yep. We're also showing that example to those who are in the stands who are cheering us on. And so how we treat a ref has a lot to do with how our players as well as the families of our players. And so um. I'm always teaching empathy, like let's be empathetic to everyone so that we can communicate at the highest level. I love that. man. I love what you said about the refs because I mean, obviously there was, I don't know if you saw the video and I forgot where it was, where it happened, but there was a ref after a, a game that basically got jumped by five players. It. Yeah. yeah. I, do you know, do you remember where that was at? Was no, it, I, I didn't even like look too deep in it. I just seen it real quick and, yeah. um, and, and that was it. Yeah. And obviously they were communicating something to him. Oh, not, 100%. Not, not, not what you want them to communicate, but there was definitely yeah. communication going on. It was an unfortunate um, situation, but I a hundred percent agree. I feel like there's been multiple coaches that have been on this show and other podcasts that I've done where they said, man, the, the rate of referees like dropping out and not mm. doing it anymore is, is yeah. way high because they're like, they just don't want to deal with the all of the the nonsense that comes with right. being a ref. And I think the thing yeah. that people, like, like you said, people don't consider, hey, how do you communicate with a referee and, and how it affects everybody else? But I think another thing that they don't consider is like, what age is this referee you're talking mm. to? Because sometimes in youth sports, you have a kid that's like 12, anywhere between yeah. 12 and 18 years old. Yeah. And they're talking to that person or that kid, like they're a grown adult. Yeah. Then there's times when you're dealing with grown adults, man or a woman, and it's yeah. they're communicating to them like they're a child. Right. It's, it's a very bizarre thing. So I, I love the fact that you're you're teaching coaches how to communicate like that. Because yeah, I mean, you're a leader and you and I think sometimes we think as coaches that we're just leading the athletes in the field, but you like you said, you're leading the parents, you're leading yeah. the, the crowd that's watching the game. They're gonna follow your lead and, and interact with the referees. So if you're not doing it effectively. Or yeah. a positive way. I mean, the whole thing can go, can go, go sideways. We've seen it before where there's, you know, fans rush the court or the yeah. field and yeah. want to get into a fight with this, with this referee. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Sometimes, right. it, sometimes it goes back to how the coach interacted with them. Right. And, and so just to piggyback on that real quick, right? Like for me, you asked me about my different perspective and different lenses that I see through as a motivational speaker, I am taught and trained to know my audience. Yeah. So if, if I'm communicating with a referee, then I need to know the very things that you just said. Okay, this referee is probably 16, 17, 18 years young, or this referee is older. But one of the things that I do so I can make sure I know my audience is I always try to talk to the refs before the game. And on just on a personal level, why? Because they're still human beings. Right. And I still want to be sure that, as my grandfather would say, I leave them better than I found them. Yeah. No matter if I feel like they're not making the best calls or I don't, and maybe I didn't think they were as experienced. They're still people and human beings first, just like I said with the players. And so I want to make sure that I'm connecting with them. So then I have a better understanding. I might talk to a ref that's 35, 40 years old, but this is their first year. Okay. Well, I'm going to have even more empathy towards that. But if I didn't know that, if I didn't take time to find out my audience or the people that I'm interacting with, it could all go downhill very quickly. Right. 
hundred percent. No, I, I love yeah. that. And we could do a whole podcast on just referees and the interaction yeah. with referees and how that whole thing goes. But um, we have other things I want to talk about. So <laughs> man, going back to the, to the parent coach uh, communication, yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's huge. And like you said, you, we're going to keep saying it, but you've seen it from both sides. Yeah. Um, like you said, you've been the parent that wants your, your kid to get more playing time or questions the coach's decisions. And then you've been on yeah. the side where the coach, you're the coach and, and people are coming up to you and saying, Hey, why'd you do this? Or why'd you do that? Yeah. What, I mean, this is a kind of a big question. I'm not looking for a, a specific answer necessarily, but like, what is the best way for a coach and a parent to interact? Cause that's, I think something you hear from coaches a lot is like, man, I love coaching, but one of the challenging parts, and same with teachers, right? One of the mm-hmm. challenge, most challenging parts is the parent interaction because a lot of times yeah. it can go in such a negative way if there's a disagreement. Like, what are some, maybe some ideas or, or tips you would have for uh, both coaches and parents to make that interaction the best it possibly can be? Great question. Um, so, from a coach's perspective, I want to know what the parents desire. I want to know what they want. I want they. I want to know what they want out of their kid playing on my team. I want to know what they want um, over the long haul. I want to know what they want out of a coach. What does a great coach mean to you? What's your definition of that? Because if I can identify that, then I can have a conversation with you on. I don't know if that's if I fit that mold, right? I don't. Which means I don't know if I'm the best coach for your child, or. I can have some understanding and say, okay, I get that. And I think that does fit with who I am. Or I could say, let me see if I can work something through with that definition you gave me. Now, the other side of that is then I articulate clearly what my definition of a great coach is, right? And now you've articulated it. I've articulated. Now we can try to find a happy medium if need be and get some understanding. My biggest thing is people want to be understood and we want to understand. Like, I want your listeners right now to understand what I'm saying. At the same time, I hope that I'm articulating in a way that, that I can feel understood if I ever came across their path. Right. And so once we can get some understanding, which is what I believe is, is foundational uh, when it comes to effective communication, then we can be on the same playing field. A parent will tell you what they desire. We just have to be willing to ask that quality question. The other piece that I would say when it comes to coach and parent relationship is to be very clear and concise up front. Yeah. Most coaches are not communicating clearly or concisely up front. Most coaches end up having to communicate with the parent and it might be a little bit challenging is because we're doing intervention work when we should have done the preventative work and asked the quality questions. It's just like dating, right? Like you, you can literally find out what you need to find out if you ask the right questions at the right time in the right way with the right ideas and thoughts in mind so that you're not going four months dating someone and now you're like, oh shoot, I didn't even know this. Well, you would have known it if you would have taken the time in the front to ask those type of questions. Here's the reality, Josh. Not too many people have been taught enough and feel like they are, they've learned enough on how to ask curious, creative, and quality questions. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not taught that or you don't know how to do that, or that is something that's a little bit foreign to you, it's not going to be top of mind. You're going to go with what you know. And most people know how to make statements. They don't know how to ask quality questions. And so for any coach that's out there right now who may be struggling with this, I would say, before your next season or before you get a new group of kids or, or right in the beginning, a- 
ask them some questions, not that you would ask if you're dating someone, but ask some questions that you want to know up front so that you all can get that understanding up front. You can be clear. They can be clear. And we can at least get some understanding before we get too far down this pathway. And it's very hard to try to circle back or to have that intervention piece. So I'm big on preventative measures. Um, measures. So asking quality questions is humongous and then just getting some understanding. Yeah, no, I love that. And I just want to point this out. I'm sure that some people that are listening to this right now completely tuned you out after you talked about dating because they're like, <laughs> does, does Dwight actually have a dating course? Because that might be something worth investing hey, into. So I'm telling you, man, I, I have, listen, um, my, my, not even dating life, but just me as being a husband, it's very colorful. Um, yeah. And I use that because that's a very positive way for me to say it can be challenging at times. Right. Yeah. And so the very things that I'm sharing, I'm not a, I'm not saying that I've, I've arrived or anything. I'm just saying that I've seen the I've seen the similarities yeah. of even with my players. Right. I want to know about my players before I even start coaching you in the game of basketball. I need to know why are you here on this court? Why are you coming to play for me? Like, what is your end goal? Because if I can find out what somebody desires or their end goal, then I can ask myself quality questions to see if I can even help you get to that point. I would much rather tell you I can't. I'm not the person to help you. I can find somebody who can. A lot of coaches and I used to be that coach. We can be prideful. Yeah. Right. We can be prideful and yeah. think that we're the, we're the savior and we're the end all be all. But um, if you want to be an effective coach, then become an effective communicator. But if you want to do that, then let's start with just getting to know, getting to know the audience that we're in front of. Yeah. And that's a, that's the interesting thing about the player to coach communication. Right. Especially if it's a coach that you're not familiar with. If you're a new coach, and you're coming into a situation. Yeah. One, you have to communicate in such a way where you gain the respect of your players, because if you don't gain the respect, then one, they're not going to listen right. to you and you're trying to teach them a very specific skill. Yes. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of different elements to communicating with athletes, right? Because you know, they, they're not going to listen to you. So why would they listen to you mm -hmm. when you're trying to cor yeah. correct or improve their technique or their yep. skill set? And, um, and even if you get past that point where they trust you, there's like you said, even with coaches and athletes, there's that, that pride there where it's like, coach, I've been, I'm, you know, I'm really good at what I do. Come like, on. Why would I, why would I keep listening to you? I like, I respect you. I'm willing to listen to you, but like, you also have to then convince them to, you know, change yeah. or, or look at your, yeah. their sport or skill with a different mindset. Um, a lot of different elements to it. And you're not just dealing with one athlete. It's not just one-on-one -on -one communication all the time. Yeah. It sometimes is, but like you're, you're communicating to a group, you're communicating to an individual, you know? So it's, you know, it's small group communication. It's uh, individual communication. It's yeah. interpersonal. Like we talked about yesterday. Let's and then go. also intrapersonal. There we go. Which I, which I think is an interesting thing for a coach because you're competing in these environments where the, the level of passion and intensity is super high. So for a coach and any assistant coach or anybody who's involved on the team, how important is that intrapersonal communication when the, when sometimes the stakes are really high and the mm -hmm. intensity is that high, like how important is it for a coach to take the time, step back and focus on that part of their communication skills? It's the most important. Yeah. Because what's in you eventually comes out. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about intrapersonal, that's your self-talk. What are you saying to yourself in these moments? Because what you're saying to yourself is going to then come out externally. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that I coach coaches on is continue to ask yourself why and what. That's it. Just ask yourself why and what internally. Um, why am I feeling this way right now? Okay. Well, because I've been teaching this thing and my players are still not getting it. Okay. Um, what way do you want to communicate that? Do you want to communicate it in one that might result in a positive fashion? Or do you want to communicate that in a way that's not going to be positive? Like you have the power to do that. And that's what I want to share with those listening today is 
don't forget about the self-power that you have. Like, there's not a lot of things in this world that we can literally control. But what we can control is how we respond, right? Right now, um, you could say something to me, Josh, that I might not agree with. I might even get offended, right, with, but I have the power to respond well to it or not respond well. And so one of the things that I'm telling coaches and parents and even, even student athletes is, yeah, you can't control what happens to you, but you can always control how you respond to what happens to you. And so that comes back to your intrapersonal communication. What do you feel about this situation? What is this situation causing to stir up in you that's going to either cause you to respond well or not respond well? And so when we get back to the self-talk and the intrapersonal, it's literally why and what. Continue to take yourself through that as often as you can, and then you'll get to the heart of the matter. Right. And most times when we get to the heart of the matter, to the heart of the matter, and we want to have a positive effect, we're going to do what's best for those that we're serving, period. Yeah, right. But when we don't get to the heart of the matter, we're going to do best what's best for us. <laughs> and sometimes what's best for us is not best for the group. Right. That's, that's really good because I feel like something we've talked to coaches about before is obviously if you say, we're, let's take a, a football team, for example, mm. you have a big squad, you have a, a decent amount of coaches and assistant coaches that are a part of your team. Yeah. I feel like part of what a coach needs to understand when it comes to how they communicate with their players is they, they have to understand that you're not going to be able to maybe have the strongest communication with, even if you do everything right, right. As far mm -hmm. as communication, you may not have the strongest connection to every single athlete on their team. They, yeah. they may not vibe with your personality. Not mm -hmm. that they don't, they don't like you. They yeah. just don't connect with you the strongest, even if you're doing everything right. So I feel like part of a coach's understanding of, of how to communicate with their players is, Hey, you know what? Maybe I have a wide receiver. I'm not connecting with that wide receiver to the best of my ability. Maybe yeah. it's the wide receivers coach who has the strongest connection. And so Come on. it kind of goes back to that pride thing, right? It's like yeah. you have to be able to give up some of that, some of that, that control and yeah. say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to love on this player. I'm going to give my very best to this athlete. But yeah. I understand that if there's something that we really need to communicate a really important message, it yeah. may come from this person more effectively. Come on. And so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that when it comes to, especially like I said, bigger squads kind of have yeah. to deal with that more. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. When I think about that, I think about parenting, right? There's, <laughs> there are things that I've told my sons yeah. when it comes to basketball. <laughs> and I can have one of my best friends tell them the exact same thing. And they listen. And I'm like, oh, man, did they think dad didn't know? The reality is I just wasn't the messenger, the right messenger for that message. Right. And so because I'm very intentional about getting to know my kids or know my student athletes or know the fans or know the parents, I'm going to get to know them as well as I can by asking quality questions to see who is the best messenger for the message that I need to get across. Because at the end of the day, I just need the message to get across. It doesn't have to be me. Most times I don't even want it to be me. I want it to be from someone that you receive information well from. Right. Which means we have to remove ego, which means we have to remove pride, which means our self-talk has to be one that says we just want to see the best things happen for our student athletes. So whoever that is that can communicate that message, let's get that person involved. And here's the other thing, right? If, um, if there are any coaches struggling with that, even on a big team, although we might not be able to reach everyone, we should give our perfect effort to try to reach them. And one of the ways that I share with coaches, I share with teachers, I share with principals, I share with um, leaders of, of major corporations is here, here's a hack. Ask your players or ask those that you're leading to share with you their, their 25 top dreams, 25 dreams. 
right? Some people are going to be like, I can't even think of three, Dwight, but get really push in and get them to identify their dreams. Once you get this information, here's the crazy thing. Let's say that you, you're coaching 25 weeks a year, right? Mm-hmm. Almost half a year. Well, each interaction I have with the player, I can start that new interaction with a new dream. And here's one of the easiest ways for me to engage. And I'm not engaging based on Dwight. I'm engaging based on you. And I'm not just engaging based on you. I'm engaging based on something that is actually something that excites you, something that's a dream of yours. So imagine a student telling me or a student athlete telling me 25 of their dreams. And every Wednesday at practice, I'm I'm connecting with that student or throughout that day or with another student on their dream. And that's the first. I'm not talking about what place we need to run. I'm not talking about let's do sprints. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm saying, Hey man, did you see that uh that that TikTok on um on Australia? I know you really want to go to Australia. Boom. I've instantly engaged with them at their level as something that they really have a passion for and a desire. Now, anything that was any guards that were up or anything that would may have caused them to be in a negative posture, we have a better opportunity to now reach them where we need to reach them. Right. Here's the thing. If we can stop being stop trying to be interesting and be more interested in people, things will change. Most times we're just trying to be interesting. We're trying to tell people about us. That's I, I did that as a 19, 20, 21 year old coach. I'm over here trying to tell them, oh, I played basketball at this and I did this. And I these kids didn't care what they cared about was me being interested in them and what they wanted to do. So for any coaches, any parents, any people, any leaders listening, let's start being more interested than trying to be interesting. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good, especially now, right? With social media. I mean, how many times, yeah. you know, Sports Center, ESPN's, you know, IG account, they'll run those uh, inspirational stories from either a college coach uh, mm-hmm. or a high school coach or, you know, someone yeah. that has like this great, you know, post-game speech. And then, you know, I feel like sometimes we want to, we want to do the same thing, which is understandable because mm-hmm. we're inspired by what that person did. But like yeah. you said, I think we can definitely get, get lost in that for sure. Um, yeah. And and like you said, become more focused on being interesting than interesting. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great way of putting it. I like that a lot. I like that. Yeah, a man. Lot. And, and another piece, and then we can keep moving. Um, yeah. My grandfather, he said a long time ago, people don't care about what you know till they know that you care. But he said, Dwight, I want you to add a layer to that. So people don't care about what you know till they know that you care, but people won't know that you care until you show that you care. Mm, it's like one that. thing for me to assume that you know that I care about you. It's another thing for me to intentionally show it every single day. That lets you know that I'm interested. That lets you know that I see you. That lets you know that I value you. So then when it's time for me to give you some great information or even some correction, the connection is always there. It's already there, right? Because I've been interested this whole time. And here's what I believe. And this is one man's perspective. Correction without connection leads to rejection. Mm, That's good. We're trying to correct or change something and we haven't even connected. So yeah, people are going to reject. I mean, think about us as adults. <laughs> if yeah. I don't have a connection with you, I might not take the information that you're going to give me, no matter how great it is, because we don't have any connection. Right. Now, right. especially if you're trying to correct me on something. Oh yeah. Right. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey Dwight, I have some ideas about your business. Like what? Yeah. yeah. I don't even listeners. know you. I don't yeah. even know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And that's what we've talked about a lot on this podcast is, you know, I think sometimes there's this idea that, uh, that correction is a bad thing. Mm. And it's like, no, I've always felt like if you truly love your players, then you're going to have to, at some point, correct what they're doing, whether it be something yeah. they're doing uh, on the field, as far as their skill set, yeah. or maybe it's something like a behavioral thing as mm-hmm. far as the culture of the team. But 
if you love your players, you also have that connection with them yeah. like, to your point. So yeah, hundred um, percent agree with that, man. I love, I love how you put that too. It's such a simple mm-hmm. thing, but such a powerful thing at the same time. Yeah. I think it can be a game changer for a lot of coaches and, and their assistant coaches as far as connecting with their athletes. Um, you know, so a couple of things that I, is again, going back to the connection, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and how we connect with our athletes. Um, again, if you look at sports, it's a very interesting thing when it comes to connecting and communicating a message with the athletes, because mm-hmm. people have different natural styles. Um, yeah. we, I mean, we've all, I'm sure you've seen it, Dwight. I'm sure you've seen last chance you, uh, that's not probably the best example of what, how a coach should communicate or the mindset of what a coach should do, uh, with the exception of the, I haven't seen the last season, but the one with uh, the basketball coach, I can't remember his name. Uh, that's probably a better, a little better example of how to communicate with your athletes. But, um, you know, the first couple of years with the football coaches, brutal, Mm. brutal. Mm. They're just, I mean, yelling and screaming at their athletes. Now I've heard from some guys, they prefer a coach who does that. And they mm. want a coach that gets in their face is grabbing their face mask and yelling at them where their yeah. veins popping out of their neck. And then <laughs> other guys are like, man, I would shut down. Like I need a yeah. coach who's going to put my arm around me and say, Hey, you've got this. It's interesting. Like how it's a big question, but like, how do you deal with that? Because a coach is going to be faced again. If you have a big squad, you're probably going to have athletes that respond to different ways of communicating. Um, you know, if you're a, a louder person that gets more intense yeah. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Because that might be your natural thing. And it's not even a, not all the time. It's not always a, a negative thing where you're an angry coach. It's just like, you're loud and you like to get intense. I mean, there was a yeah. video I saw the other day where the coach was basically fighting all his athletes and they loved I it. I think I've seen it. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. Like he basically has one of his, like his running back yes. in headlock and he's like, you know, yeah. hitting him on the helmet. I'm like, what is going on? It's like, oh, he's yeah. getting him amped up. Yeah. So how do you deal with that as a coach? Cause I imagine that could be a potentially a really frustrating thing. If some of your athletes don't vibe with the style that you have, but you still need yeah. to communicate with them. Like you still 100%. need to get your message across, but they may not, you know, vibe with your natural way of doing things. It's a long question, but like, how do you, how do you deal with a situation like that? Out the gate, ask your players the question, <laughs> what, what type, what type of, what type of coaching um, works best for you? Right. And, and maybe you have to give them some guiding points because they may not know, but Hey, do you like a coach that's in your face? And, and that's how, how he or she does it. Do you like a coach that is very reserved and laid back? Do you like a coach that's somewhere in the middle? Do you like a coach um, to just let you do what you do and then correct you later on? Do you want some a coach who micromanages everything that you do? All we have to do is ask questions, literally. So, like, here's the thing. Most people try to assume too much instead of just ask, just ask what they need. And a coach might be like, oh man, that's a lot to do in practice. Well, don't do it in practice. Do it before practices even start. Put out a survey and let them fill it out. And then you'd be intentional about taking the time to read through, okay, this is what my player said to me. And then as the coach, it's up to you to find out what's the best way to reach each individual. Like that's, if you're going to be a coach, then it's up to you to re- to figure out how to reach 80, 60, 15, 10 players. If that's not something that you're up to, you shouldn't be coaching. I'm going to just keep it solid. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be coaching if you're not willing to reach people where they are, especially the students that you desire to have their respect and for them to do the, the very things that you need them to do to be successful. And so I'm always telling coaches before a season starts, just ask 
questions. Ask as many questions as you can think of. If you need some help asking questions, reach out to me. I believe that I am the number one question asker in the world. And we can easily find out information just by asking that simple question. I know this. My oldest son, he does not need me yelling at him in a way that he doesn't feel is positive, but he does want me to yell at him to get him moving. So I have to think, okay, all right, how do I need to say this in a yelling, motivational way, but not like a yelling, degrading way? He still needs the yelling. He needs that. He needs me to get fired up and get where my my younger son, he doesn't need me yelling at him at all. It don't matter if it's positive <laughs> or if it's negative. He's like, man, just talk to me like I just need you to be more level headed. Well, if I if I didn't know that and I just decided to be this loud rah rah, even if it's positive, I might get to my older son, but I won't get to my younger son with this right. information. Well, the best thing I need to do is go, okay, can I feel that that void for, or feel that need for my son? Or do I need this assistant coach? Or do I need to just take time and go, hey, let's figure out a communication style that can be a happy medium so that we can continue to move forward. But it starts with knowing your players and you can't know them unless you ask quality questions. Stop assuming. That's what I had to tell myself. Stop assuming, Dwight. I don't know everything and I don't, everybody's different. So hopefully that can help someone out there. I think it will. No, I love that. Yeah, and I think kind of going along the same lines of um, assuming, mm-hmm. you know, I obviously here, we're here in Sacramento, home team, Sacramento, uh, all the surrounding areas. It's a very, it's a very diverse city. Yeah. You can go, I mean, the, the culture, the city of Folsom high school, mm-hmm. very different when you go across town to Burbank high school, yeah. you go from Placer high school up in the Hills down to, I don't know, uh, Bella Vista. Very yeah. different. And you yeah. pick any school you want, like it's going to be very different at those schools. The culture is different. The city is different where the economic status of families in those areas is different. So like, how important is it for coaches? Cause obviously we love, you know, supporting the home team and everybody mm-hmm. who's competing in it and all the coaches who are doing great things. I always feel like it's great when a, a team doesn't matter what sport, any sports team for that school in that area connects with the community. Mm. So how, it's kind of a twofold question. How important is it for a coach to make connection to the community, a part of what they do as a, as a team's culture? And then how important is it for a coach to understand and feel and be a part of that community to better understand their athletes? Because I imagine it could go sideways real quick. Mm. If a coach comes into an environment and has no idea the background of the city has no idea of the the social economic status of those families in those mm-hmm. cities. They might be expecting something from those athletes and their families that may not be uh, practically possible. Yeah, and so yeah. I feel like you have to be very aware of those things to really understand how to communicate best with with a culture in that city. So, like I said, kind of a two part question, but like, how important is it for for a coach to understand all of that and then also be involved in the community? Yeah. Uh, great question. So it's extremely important from my perspective. Here's the reality. Some people don't think it's important and I'm not here to tell them if it is or if it isn't. But for me, it's extremely important because, again, I'm building great people yeah. <laughs> and right. great people live in communities. Right. It's not just a basketball player in the community or the football player in the community or soccer or baseball. No, it's a life. A human being lives in this community or is involved in this community. So it would only be of best interest for me to make sure that I'm connecting to 
this space where this person dwells. Come on. Like it's, it's about connection, right? It's about relationship. And, and, and I, I've said this to you before, better communicators equal better relationships. Well, if I have a great relationship with the family of this player, if I have a great relationship with the, the mentors of this player, if I have a great relationship with the 7-Eleven that's down the street from the school so that if anyone is acting up in here, hey, let me know. And, and right that that type of connection is humongous. And I use that specific example because when I coached at Einstein, there's a 7-Eleven that's in walking distance. And I made sure that I knew the owners of this 7-Eleven. I knew the, the workers. So I said, hey, if you ever have any problem with my boys, let me know. But also, if you see them doing something great, let me know as well, because they're a part of this community as well. Here's the crazy thing. Because I did this, and I'm not saying that this happens, but I'm telling you what happened. Because I did this, um, I ended up going into the 7-Eleven at one point. It's like, hey, we're doing a fundraiser because we're trying to get some new warmups. This 7-Eleven donated five hundred dollars, wow. not because they cared anything about basketball, but they in, they ended up having a relationship with the boys because I made it a priority yeah. to have that relationship. I would bring my boys in there and introduce them so they could see that that face to face interaction. So when they came back in, it's a positive experience. And so um, I'm really big on community just in general, but even more so any coach, I'm going to encourage any coach out there to Get to know the community that your players are in because they're in that community longer than they're going to be coached by you. And they oh, were yeah. in that community before you even got there. Right. right? And so so yeah. that's that's what I'll say uh, on that piece. I, I can't remember what the other part of that question was. But well, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, understanding. Yeah, that, that's first of all, it's great. But uh, understanding the culture of the the team, because, I mean, yeah. you, might, you might go into, um, uh, you know, a, a, a primarily like black neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Or a primarily, primarily Latino neighborhood or primarily yeah. white neighborhood. And yeah, um, there's I mean, we, we just know like there's different there's different ways that things are done. There's a different culture there. Um, yeah. and maybe maybe it's a really diverse uh, culture where you have different backgrounds, different different ethnicities mm -hmm. and races that you're either coaching. Yeah. And so, you know, again, the way you communicate is going to be a little bit different in all those areas. I think sometimes and I don't have anybody's nobody's a, that comes to mind no, yeah. or say their name anyways, but I'm sure you have some coaches that's like, man, you have an incredible coach and this school is going to mm -hmm. hire this coach. Yeah. But they come into this environment thinking that the methods and the philosophy they, they have or the way they communicate is going to work. Right. But these kids are like, you're not from right. here. Like right. you don't, you don't know where, what we've come from. You don't know what right. our families go through every single day. Right. Like, dude, why would we listen to you? Exactly. Like, I don't even care about, you know, the sports side of it. Like we're just not gonna listen to you in general. Right. And so I think the, the, it seems like the coaches that are most successful take the time to understand the backgrounds, take, take the time to understand the culture that they're stepping into. And then they're yeah. adapt, they adapt, they're flexible. They understand not that the core of what they do is different, but they, they understand there's certain things that I need to change or the way I communicate mm. needs to change because I'm stepping into a different culture that I'm yeah. not a part of. So when it comes to that, like how, like, how do you go about doing that? Like, how do you best step into an environment that maybe you're not from, mm. but you can also have a tremendous impact? Yeah. I'm going to sound like a broken record. And this is why I just believe we make these type of situations more difficult than they need to be. Sure. I'm going to say, number one, be more interested, <laughs> be yeah. more interested, like go in there wanting to learn, wanting to know, wanting to ask questions. That's number one. And then two, once you get that information, you can be more empathetic. 
right? You can begin to be uh, a great perspective taker and place yourself in the shoes of these uh, student athletes and see how they view this world that you are now stepping into. See how they even view you. I would literally, if I'm coming to a new school, I'm going to sit down with families, with student, with my student athletes and say, what's the first impression that you get of me? And I want to hear everyone. Ooh. I want to hear you. What's the first impression that you, and, and it takes, it takes, some people will say tough skin, but it's necessary, especially if we want to be a high level communicator and a high level coach. What is your first impression of me? Okay. Let's talk about where that comes from. All right, great. I have a better understanding. Now I know how to start responding and asking the questions or maneuvering in a certain way. If we could start every interaction with the mindset of being more interested, which means I'm going to ask more questions and I'm going to listen more. My grandfather used to say all the time, Dwight, you have one mouth and two ears. Do more <laughs> listening than talking, Dwight. Yeah. You know what you know. Find out what other people know. And if we can find out what our student athletes know, if we can find out what our student athletes are thinking, if we can find out what our student athletes desire, we would be much better at coaching them to be, be to become their greatest self. And so, again, broken record, ask quality questions, stop assuming, be more interested than interesting and use your ears more than you use your mouth. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure I know we're connected with a, a, so many great coaches. I know you are as well. And yeah. A lot of these uh, coaches are doing these things that you're, that you're saying and yeah. they're, they're, they're killing it. And that's why they're killing yeah. this because they're doing these yeah. things. There might be some coaches out there, especially maybe like a new coach, a young coach yeah. that that's thinking, this is a lot. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to win games. I'm trying to communicate, yeah. you know, the X's and O's to my players. Yeah. And I'm, I, I need to do all of this, but I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a necessity. Like I think yeah, if you man. want to be a coach, you know, you hate to shrug your shoulders and say like, it is what it is, but I mean, it, it yeah. is what it is. If you want to be a great coach facts, and you want, like you said, you want to impact the lives of human beings. Come on. This is what's required. And this is why coaches get so, you know, that's why they're so tired. They're exhausted yeah. at the end of the day, because it's not just breaking down plays and watching film. It's investing into people. And yeah, of man. course, if you're doing it right, you're going to be exhausted, but Come that, on. that passion keeps drive, keeps you going, right? Like 100%. So. It's, um, it's, it's one of the things that I say when I'm talking to uh, principals or school districts that their outcome is student achievement. That's what they want. Yeah. I say, well, you're not going to get student achievement unless you get student engagement. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's the same thing with, with a coach. You yeah. want them to achieve at the things that you have for them, then engage with them in such a way that now they feel like, oh, I have a connection with you. I have a connection with the philosophy. I have an understanding of it. I believe in it. I believe in you. You are our leader. Okay, boom. Now that I have this, now that I'm engaged and now that I'm connected, now let's move into the direction that you want me to move into. And if we can start with that piece, even if you're a new coach, just engage. And I know it sounds like fluff, but that's the foundation of any relationship. Yeah. any relationship. So, uh, yes, engagement leads to achievement. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on this too. So one of the, uh, one of the coaches I've been connected with over the years through character combine and, and still connected now is coach Cody Norman, who's okay. the, who was the, the girls varsity basketball coach at Laguna Creek high school. Mm. Um, congrats shout out to coach Norman. Cause he was just named the, uh, uh, coach of the year. Of wow. Okay. And Congratulations. Had, had an incredible run this season. Um, in the playoffs and all of that. But the, the thing I love and respect about coach Norman so much is that when I first met coach Norman, uh, I believe he was at Manteca and then he bounced over to, I think Pleasant Grove and then ended up at Laguna Creek, but he had a lot of, a lot of losing seasons. Like you had mentioned mm. your, your own 14 team, how they were yeah. own 14 prior to you getting there. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of, you know, tough seasons, but 
I don't think he ever, it ever, never shook him. Like he mm. always came in and, and communicated positivity, always communicated character development, always was that positive figure in his athletes' lives. And I love seeing him succeed now because he yeah. was able to continue to, you know, mm. just get better and better. And then now he's, you know, winning section titles yeah. and coach of the year. And so it's, yeah. it's awesome to see, but I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there that's like, Hey, it's, it's cool. If you're, if you're winning, it's cool. If you're having a, a successful program, but how do you continue to positive or positively communicate effectively yeah. when you're in a losing situation? Because, you know, we've all, I'm sure we've all been there. Um, I've been on losing teams. I, it's, it's frustrating and I'm sure yeah. it's, it's tough to show up to practice or your games every single day, knowing that, Hey, just honestly, we're probably going to get blown out again yeah. because, you know, yeah. we're, we're competing against teams that are, that are stronger, faster, um, better. Right. You still have to show up and communicate because you're not just showing up to, you know, get blown out every day. Like you still have yeah. to give your athletes value every single day. So how do you, how do you, what is, what are some like pieces of advice or tips you would have for a coach who's maybe in that season of life right now? We're like, man, <laughs> it's gonna be another 20, nothing game. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not looking forward to it, but I got to go out here. Like, what are your tips for someone in that situation? How they communicate? Think about that situation as a life lesson and see how and see how many life lessons you can pull out of that. Right. There, there's so many. My greatest growth as a person and even as an athlete yeah. did not come when I was winning or at the top of the mountain. Yep. My greatest growth came when I made mistakes, when I didn't do some. My greatest growth as a point guard did not come with just me doing everything right. My in and out, my crossover. It came when I made two turnovers and I had to think about what was I thinking to make those two turnovers? Where was I um, looking at where I was going to throw the ball? Okay. Well, Dwight, I need to change that up. And so what I would say to any coach in that situation, find as many life lessons as you can within that. Because again, if you're the type of coach that desires to see great human beings, then these life lessons will go far beyond yeah. the sport that you're coaching. And that's the biggest thing that I can say is one, just find life lessons, but two, keep it fun yeah, and, and keep it enjoyable. Again, be interested. How can we be interested in how our student athletes are viewing this, right? It's one thing as a coach, like, oh my God, we're getting ready to get blown out. But maybe the student athletes are viewing it as something different. Like, oh, this is preparation, right? For something bigger, but it's always identifying how can I keep this enjoyable? How can I be interested how can I show some life lessons? But here's the biggest piece. A coach won't do this if the coach's heart posture is only about winning. Yeah. It's very challenging, very difficult, almost impossible for a coach who is only about winning to see the value in the valley. Hmm. Yeah. But here's, here's the crazy thing. There's so much value in the valley. There's so much courage when you're low. There's so much discipline that can be built. There's a different perspective, right? Our, our perspective drives our performance, literally. How we view what we do impacts how we do what we do. So if we view this as a losing season, that means you're only thinking about the W's and the L's. You get to define what a losing season means. That's where it comes back to effective communication. What is your definition of a losing season? Does it mean that we didn't win any games or win enough games? Or can I flip that and go, you know what? This is still a winning season because my kids that I'm coaching or the people that I'm coaching, they're, they're, they're feeling better about themselves. They have more self-esteem. The, the camaraderie is on a high level. They're being more respectful to each other, to their families, to myself, to the referees. Like 
we need to start defining what winning and losing looks like, especially when it comes into this sports arena, because we can feel like, oh, we have a losing season. But in life, right, we have to still identify how can I find the win? More importantly, how can I find the gratitude? That's where I want to go with this real quick. If we can help our student athletes just be grateful for the fact that they are able to play the sport <laughs> that they're playing, there's kids who would love to be playing that sport. Oh, if we yeah. can find gratitude in just playing it, it's hard to look at it as a losing anything. Right. So that's my two cents. I, I had a couple other questions. I'm not even going to ask them, man. That's a, <laughs> that's a perfect place to end this thing. Yeah, man. Um, before we get out of here, uh, obviously, I want to know where people can follow you. Yeah. Uh, website. Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. But uh, anything else you have, you have, what do you have coming up? I know you have uh, some big things. So I, want, I want you to share that big, a little bit. Big, big stuff. Um, yeah. So I shared with your, your, your listeners on the other podcast yesterday that um, I will have a book coming out by the end of this year. So be on the lookout for that. It's all about effective communication because here's what I believe. Effective communication can change any situation. And if you feel like that is not the case, fight me about it, but don't really fight me because I'm too positive for that. Um, the other piece is- You did do karate though. You did do karate, I, like you said at the beginning. So he's ready. And I am, still, I am still good at it. So- hey. Hey, you've been, hey, you been warned. Don't <laughs> yeah. mess with Dwight. <laughs> and, and then the other big piece, Josh, is um, my online course is out right yes. now. And so yeah. um, I have an online course called Hacking Your Relationships Like a Pro, everything we've been talking about today. And the subtitle is Building Bridges Instead of Barriers in All of Your Relationships, the community relationship, the student-athlete relationship, the family relationship, the referee relationship, your own intrapersonal relationship. And so Make sure you tap into that. Uh, you can go to my, my Instagram. That's at Dwight Taylor SR. Just click the link in the bio. It'll take you there. Hopefully Josh can throw it in the show notes uh, yeah, for this, wherever you're watching it. But um, yeah, I'm excited about this course because I truly believe that if you got any value out of what I was talking about today, this course is going to take it to a new level. So um, more things in store, but those are the two things that I, I would love for people to know about. Perfect. So definitely go follow Dwight, check out all that. Yeah. Definitely encourage you guys to check out the course because like Dwight said, and I, I don't think I said this yesterday or I thought about it yesterday, but it is a, it's an amazing course because you're not just providing a course. Hey, if you want to be a, a more effective communicator as a coach buy this course course, but then like all these other aspects of life, Come on. it's not like, Hey, if you want to be a better, have a better uh, marriage or parent buy this course, it's, it's literally how to be a, an effective communicator in any and every area of life. So you can buy every this course area. as a coach, but it's also going to affect your life as a, 100%. a member. Uh, 100%. Job. So um, that's a really cool aspect of this whole thing. So if you guys are interested, do it because uh, you won't you won't regret it and you'll just be a better communicator in every aspect. So, 100%. Um, man, as always, man, we appreciate your time. We appreciate the words of encouragement and motivation. And uh, man, I this is just awesome. We always appreciate it. And I just want to say too, man, I appreciate you because you give me so many sound bites. It makes my job <laughs> so easy. When, that's I, when, what's I, up. when I promote this thing, it's like sometimes... No, you know, no disrespect to anybody. I've done, I've done over 200 podcasts between all three podcasts Sheesh. I've done. Yeah. And there, there are some, nobody on this podcast, but there have been other podcasts where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to really struggle to find a, right. a soundbite, but never right. the case with Dwight. It's always, man, how do I choose just two or three? Man. So appreciate Thank you, Josh. Man. Thank Absolutely, you, man. man. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to doing bigger, better and greater. And uh, let's keep doing what we do. But hey, keep this up because people may not know you've been doing the podcast thing for a while now. Yeah. And um, you continue to just elevate and get better and better. And so, man, thank you so much for allowing me to come on and speak to your listeners. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir.